Hey everybody, welcome to the Shigon Podcast. This is Jeff Fry. Today we have a very special guest, uh, Philly's legend, five-time All-Star, two-time Gold Glover, 16-year career as a player, six years as a manager. I tried to count how many years he he coached, but it's it's somewhere around 20. Um, he did a little work on uh, television work as well, and he's currently a special assistant to the GM. For the Philadelphia Phillies, I'd like to introduce Phillies legend Larry Boa to the Shigon Podcast. How you doing, Larry? Well, I'm doing good, Jeff. Thank you, and it's uh, it's an honor to be on your show. You know, yeah, I know that uh, I know you. Uh, I follow you on uh, on uh, Twitter and everything, and uh, I like all the information that you throw out there. Believe me. Well, thank you, and uh, I think you're in the majority. But there's a lot of people who don't like what I'm doing, but uh, that's <laughs> because uh you know i grew up uh, loving baseball and it's been my life ever since i can remember and i think we've got uh it's turned for the worse and i think that somebody needs to speak out and uh i don't have a problem taking the heat man because i love this game and i know <laughs> what it's given me what it's given you and uh, i think it's worth fighting for well there's no question everything i owe and have is is definitely from baseball. Um, I've been in baseball counting everything, announcing and everything over 50 years. And I, as a ex-player, coach, manager, I would like to see the game get back to some type of normalcy. When I say normalcy, when we played, you had strategy involved, you had hitting and running, you had stealing bases. Uh, and to me, it's a little bit one-sided right now. I, I wouldn't even mind if it was 50-50, but in, this is just my opinion. You know, talking to scouts, talking to people that, that work in the industry, it's still swayed too much to one side. And I think once we can get back to that that even ground where it's half of it's okay and half of it's, they call it old school, I call it baseball mentality. If we can do that, I think we would be headed in the right direction. But right now, I get people telling me that baseball is boring to watch. It's a strikeout, a walk, or a home run. Uh, and to be honest with you, the game has changed dramatically since I played. And, and I'm not one of these guys that, that, are, that are bitter about the way it's changed. There's some rules that are involved. In fact, I saw a rule last night, Jeff, that and it, it helped us, our ball club, the Phillies, a play at home plate. Uh, I saw absolutely nothing wrong with that. Uh, we eventually got overturned and we got a run. It was a big run at that time. And the Marlins, on the other hand, uh, they got penalized because the catcher, the throw sort of took him in there, but he didn't give the guy enough lane for the to score at home plate. And, you know, things like that. Plays at second base where you can't touch a middle infielder. Man, I remember running for my life, guys trying to take me out. Not dirty, just trying to take you out and get that runner, especially when there's a man on first and third and they're trying to break break up a double play to get that run. I don't see any of that stuff. I think it takes away a lot of the competitiveness in the game. I agree. And it's, you know, we can point to uh, two two plays in particular that change those rules, the Chase Utley play and the Buster Posey play. And, you know, I remember as a middle infielder when I first came up, man, it was you had to have that toughness and willingness to stay in on that double play, and that was just one of the traits you had to have as a middle infielder. And if you were a guy who heard footsteps or bailed out all the time, that was a knock against you. And I took pride in that. I know you did too. I saw one of your one of your baseball cards, man. You're jumping over somebody, and those guys should come in there. But as a player. Man, I love that part of it. I wanted that. I was like the challenge, and I was up for that challenge, and I was going to stay in there as long as I possibly could and try to turn that double play, and I know that my teammates appreciated that. There's no question about that. And, and, and like I said, uh, all the guys that I played against, there might have been a couple dirty slides, but most of it was very aggressive, and they wanted you to either throw the ball away or not throw the ball at all. And that, to me, was part of the game. And, you know, I, I try to 
talked to some scouts now, and, and they say when they're looking for a middle infielder now, especially a second baseman, it's not about footwork anymore. If you have a real strong arm, just stand on the bag, and if the guy hits you, it's going to be an automatic double play. Whereas before, you needed footwork. You needed to get out of the way. You needed to be at, have agility out there at second base. And now it's like stand on the bag. If the guy hits you, it's an automatic double play. And I think it takes away a lot of the athleticism of the young guys uh, coming up now. I, and, and all these rules that we have right now, Jeff, I really believe that these guys have been programmed to do it this way. If, if, if they were programmed like we were, hey, learn to get out of the way, get rid of the ball quick, have quick feet, I would think they'd go along with the program, just like pitchers. All of a sudden, it's 100 pitches, and boom, bells and whistles go off. I think every one of these guys that start in the big leagues, I think they'd like to throw 120, 125 pitches. But we have sort of established a number that says 100 pitches, and that's it. You can't go through a lineup three times. And I look back at the guys that I face, and I'm looking at 300 innings plus every year, pitching every fourth day when I played at the beginning. Uh, and I'm not saying it's 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 a different game, but it's a different mentality. I really believe the mentality is different. And these guys that are being programmed now, they don't want to fight the system, so they just go along with it. And that surprises me a little bit, too, because I remember when the analytics guys started coming into our locker room when I was with the Red Sox. and I mean, those guys wouldn't even come up and talk to us. They were afraid of us because they knew if they came in there that we were not going to buy into what they had to say. And and I'm... People think that I'm against all the analytics and all that. Man, I used all the information I could get when I was playing. But once that freaking game started, I was out there competing. And I wasn't trying to calculate things and what gave me the best opportunity. I was out there competing and using everything I had in my repertoire to help my team win that game that night. And that's all I cared about. That's exactly what I think the mentality should be when you when you put that uniform on and take the field. You know, I, I really believe that uh, if you've never played this game, I, I'm talking about even in the minor league, if you've never put the, the spikes on and got on the infield or looked at pitches coming in, if you've never played that game, but yet you have the ability or they've given you the authority to give these players all this information that you have, it's just a computer-based uh, sport right now. People don't understand that when you take the field, you might have a fight with your wife at home. Your kids might be sick. You might have uh, something going on with the financial situation. The, the mentality of your of, of your approach every night is different. Uh, I always looked at it. It's a game-by-game game thing. It's an inning-by-inning, inning, pitch by pitch everything changes as the game progresses. It's not one size fits all. Let's throw it into the computer and we're going to come out on top. Uh, you know, I look at Pittsburgh, I look at uh, Washington, they all have analytic people. Why are they 30 to 40 games under 500? Because it has a lot to do with the athlete themselves. If you have great athletes and you have this information, you are going to win more games than the guys that don't draft good and maybe their, their, their position players aren't as good as, as position players uh, that are in first place or second place. I, I really believe, Jeff, that the analytics should give the manager and coaches the information, put it on their desk, let them look at it. If they want to use some of it, great. If they don't, they shouldn't be penalized for it. And I think there's a lot of, like you said, there's some good stuff in analytics. There's no, no doubt in my mind. But I look back and we really, even when I played, we used different verbiage. We, we had uh, spray charts. We knew how to play hitters. We knew how to play counts. We knew how to read swings. And I think we're getting away from that, especially in the minor league. I'm a big advocate of low A, rookie ball. Don't give the cards out. Let these guys learn how to read swings. Let them learn how to play counts. Let them learn how to play the game by the scoreboard. If you're if you're up seven to one in the eighth inning and there's a double play situation, let's spread out a little bit. If we don't get the double play, we're we're down to outs. Let's get outs. Though that's all part of different the the, the the mentality of a person that has played the game of baseball. And I believe that guys like I'm going to use myself. I'm going to use Charlie Manuel because they're in our, we're in, our, in the Philly organization. All that knowledge that we learned, 
you pass down to different generation after generation after generation. And, and the one thing that baffles my mind, Jeff, is guys getting big league managers job or even coaches job that really never paid their dues, you know, riding buses, knowing the 25, 26 guys on their roster, being able to communicate with them, telling them what they did right, telling them what they did wrong. We're losing that. And those young guys coming in, nothing against them, but they don't have the experience to pass on to these young kids. And I really believe that experience is a big asset in baseball. You tell these kids what you learn, and if they want to use it, fine. If they don't want to use it, that's fine. But then as they get older and they get they move up to A, double A, triple A, they might look back and say, God, I remember when Charlie Manuel told me about hitting or I remember Larry Boa talked to me about fielding and shortstop. That's lost right now because we are getting rid of guys that have a lot of years in the game and have spent a lot of time in the minor leagues and have done tremendous jobs down there. I agree 100%. I was thinking about that exact thing today about experience used to be the most important thing. So as a kid, I always wanted to be a baseball player. I had a family friend who played in the minor leagues. He gave me some advice. To me, that was invaluable. I mean, because he's been there. He, somebody that could teach me a little bit about what it's about. But it seems like now that we have uh, the internet, experience isn't important anymore because anybody can just go on the internet and learn what we know, what we learned through playing, through trial and error, and through our childhood childhoods learning how to play the game. I heard you yesterday on the Boone podcast talking about playing, I, I forget the name of the field, where you know right field's closed or left field's right. closed because you only have four guys and, and you don't, the field's right. too big, so you can't cover it. So you, you learned how to hit the ball the other way. And, and as a kid, I played wiffle ball nonstop growing up from sun up to sundown. That's how I learned how to hit. I attribute my success as a hitter to playing wiffle ball because you can hit that little ball with that little yellow bat, man, you can hit anything. And and, and it, that's how I learned how to hit. But experience to me is invaluable. And what's happened in the game with getting rid of all the great baseball men like yourself, I'm glad you're still in it, is that we don't have the guys who've had experience and who played this game that are teaching these kids in the lower levels. And you can see it now when they get to the big leagues. These guys aren't ready to play baseball. No, we, we seem to be rushing kids now, uh, especially everyday players. Uh, you know, it's, it's I, I, I know when we go on the road, the, when I tell you we, the Phillies go on the road, I go look at our AAA, AA, and A teams. And I, I just can't believe, not, not just our organization, but all organizations, the fundamentals that are not needed to, to, to move up in the organization. It's all about see how many home runs you can hit. What's the spin rate? What's the exit velocity? What's the launch angle? And <laughs> as far back as I can remember, the name of the game is to get one more run than the other team. And you do everything in your power to do that. I mean, I was very lucky to have a dad that played in the minor leagues, uh, probably taught me more about baseball than anything. But he also kept me aware that you know what? You're not going to be a big guy. You're not going to hit home runs. You're going to have to learn how to hit and run. You're going to have to learn how to bunt. You're going to have to learn how to make all the routine plays, steal bases. Uh, and and I think the foundation that my dad taught me enabled me to pass, go through A, double A, and triple A and get to the big leagues because I got cut every year in high school for, for three straight years, not because of my ability. The coach said I was too small. And my dad was the first person to say, it doesn't matter how big you are. There's a place on the field for little guys, for big guys, for home run hitters, for singles hitters. And, and that, that never, ever left my mind when, I, when my dad told me that. And I was very fortunate to play in a summer league that game. And a junior college coach watched me play. And he says, I want you to come out and try out for our team. And I laughed at him. I said, I didn't even play high school. And he said, I'll give you every opportunity to play on my uh, on the baseball team at junior college. And I played two years. I made all conference and I eventually signed. I didn't get drafted. I didn't uh, get a lot of money to sign, but I, I, the guy the scout that signed me, Eddie Bachman saw something that, you know, maybe being at the right place at the right time helped me, but he saw something in me that he even told the front office that if he doesn't make it to the big leagues, he'll be a good organization guy. He could be a manager or a coach and I think it'd be a good sign. And I eventually signed. But I look back at all the things that I went through and it just 
the one thing, Jeff, and, and you know this because you were you got down and dirty out there. You you got to stick to it. You got to practice every day. You got to practice the fundamentals. You got to be mentally tough to play this game. This is a hard game to play, and people don't understand that when you play 150 to 162 games every year, there's going to be so many peaks and valleys that you got to be mentally tough to overcome them. And if you play on the East Coast, I know you played in Boston, Philly, New York, Boston. It's a tough it's a tough gig, man. Because when things go bad, they're going to let you know. You know, we don't really appreciate the way you're playing. You need to put more effort into it. Uh, and, you know, if they're blue-collar cities. People get up at 7 in the morning. They punch in. They punch out at 5. They want effort. They want to see effort every night. And I think if I didn't play in Philadelphia, Jeff, I, I don't know if I'd have played in the big league because they motivated me to stay on top of your game, make sure you hustle. The easiest thing to do on a baseball field is hustle. It's hard to catch it. It's hard to hit it. It's hard to make pitches. But the easiest thing to do is give 100% when you hit a ground ball and, and you're running and you give full you know effort every time you step on the baseball field. 27 outs every night, nine innings. If it's that hard to do it, then you might well get another job. Because to me, that was the, the greatest thing about baseball is if you had an 0 for 4 and you made an error or two, you turn the page and you got to pick yourself up and play the next day. And it, it says something about this sport. I mean, basketball plays three times a week, football once a week, hockey three times a week. Baseball, you are on a grind for 162 games. And if you aren't mentally tough, you're not going to survive, especially on the East Coast. No, I hear you, man. I, I know playing in Boston, I, I tell people all the time when they ask what it was like playing in Boston compared to Texas or Colorado, I said, well, I said, we could be losing 10 to nothing on a Sunday in Texas and the crowd will go crazy. And that's because the Dallas Cowboys just scored a touchdown. I said, but in Boston, I said, if we lose a game on Tuesday night, I said, half the city's going to work pissed off tomorrow. And they're yeah. going to be on the radio because it's life and death and they want effort. And they, that's why I love my four years I spent in Boston because, I mean, I, I was an effort guy. I had to give maximum effort just to stay in the league. I wasn't gifted you know, with great size and strength and power. And that's, you and I are very similar type guys. I listened yesterday, like I said, to the Boone podcast, and you're a littler guy. Um, you played 16 years. I played nine. You were, you had a stronger arm because you were able to stay on the left side of the infield. And that is very difficult. And I agree with Brett Boone. Shortstop is the most difficult position to play in the major leagues. And I didn't have the arm strength. I could, pl I could catch the ball. But when I looked up across there and I saw that guy two-thirds of the way down to first base, man, it was tough for me with my average at best arm strength to make that play. That's why I played second base. Um, but I could hit for average. I could make the routine play. And I also had to do the things that you did, learn how to bunt, hit and run, move runners, take guys out when you have to, take the extra base, whatever I could do to help my team win. And I also heard you say that, you know, you weren't you were told not to hit the ball in the air. And when I was in A ball, they said do not hit the ball in the air. You hit line drives, ground balls, and get on base. And so that's what I did. I never focused on the hitting home runs because I couldn't hit them if I tried. And the baseballs right. I believe are a little bit different today than they were back in those days. But uh right. now we're seeing little guys go opposite field like it's nothing. And I didn't even get close in my entire career of hitting a home run opposite field. Yeah, and, and you know what, Jeff? I, I really believe that that's one of the problems because we emphasize home runs and you have some little guys that when I say little, you know, I mean, they're not, they're not like uh, uh, Bryce Harper. They're not like Soto. They're, they're guys that are line drive hitters. And yet they're being told to don't hit the ball on the ground because the defenses are so sophisticated now that those those ground balls are, are turned into outs, and I disagree with that 100 percent because I learned how to switch hit at AAA. I didn't learn I didn't switch hit until I got to AAA, and the manager uh, at that time was Bob Skinner of the Big League Club, and I literally in uh, 1969 I literally had that team made. He called me in and said, "You made the team as a utility player." He says, I don't think you're going to play every day because, you know, offensively, you're not going to do enough. He says, but you can you have an option here. You can go down and learn how to switch it at AAA and become an everyday player if you can master it. 
or you can be a utility player your whole career. And I didn't want to play utility. I said, I want to go down and I want to play every day. And I learned how to switch hit. Now, when you have speed and you can run, why wouldn't you want a shortstop going to his right and trying to throw you out uh, from the deep hole at first base? That was an asset to me. Put the ball in play, hit the ball the other way, stay in the middle of the diamond, learn how to want to hit and runs on, put the ball on the ground. Those are the things that made me the player that I was. And I, there was sure there were shortcomings. I never hit home runs, but I did other things. And I really believe that the guys in the, that are coming in the game, they're so inundated with this. Make sure you get the ball in the air. Make sure that the, the launch angle is a certain amount of degrees. And I got in trouble three years ago. Uh, I was sitting up and, and it, it was said in jest, but I, I guess I shouldn't have said it. And I was sitting with Matt Clintech, who I respect a lot. I mean, I really do. And he, he enabled me to have this job that I have now. And we were watching a game, and you can get all that information right after the bat. And I remember uh, Franco hit a fly ball. I mean, he just missed it. I mean, it was really high, right to the warning track in center field. And right away, the people in the box said, what was the launch angle on that? And I piped up and said, F8. And it didn't go over very well with the front office people. And I said it in jest. You know, I was trying to make a joke out of it because it was an out. What difference does it make if it's an out? That's like, you know, I like to watch a hitter with the bases loaded, foul off seven, eight, nine pitches, and then hit a little bloop over first to score two runs. To me, that's that's battling in the batter's box. That's fighting off tough pitches that the pitcher's throwing to you. And then if the guy comes up, Another guy comes up and it's a line drive and smokes it to third. hundred, uh, it's a hundred mile an hour off the bat, and it's an out. Uh, give me the bloop over first that scores two runs, and you can have the line drive right at the third baseman because it's an out. I want runs and I want guys to battle in the batter's box. Uh, you know, I hear the old saying, "An out's an out, a strikeout's just like an any other out." That's not true. Make the other team handle the baseball. Make them throw it across the diamond. Make them hurry the throw if you're a quick runner. An out's not an out. There can be an out where you've got the infield back and there's a man on third. You hit a ground ball in the middle of the diamond. You got one to nothing lead. You know, strikeouts, what do you do? You go back to the bench. Nobody has to catch the ball. Nobody has to put make a play on you. And so when they say an out's an out, they're, they're different outs, believe me. And there's so many strikeouts now that – they're actually giving runs early in the game. The infield's playing deep. Put the ball in play. You get a run. The other team's got to get two to take the lead. Those are things that if you've never played the game, you don't understand the value of getting a quick run. The other team's got to get two. Now you get two. The other team's got to get three. That's part of the, 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 the ball game that's played where at the end of the game, you want to have more runs than the other team. Exactly. And I have this argument with people all the time about, and outs and out and strike. And, you know, these fielders are so good that the ground balls are outs anyway. And I'm like, that's absolutely incorrect. I said, the worst <laughs> thing you can do on a baseball field is strike out. To me, the second worst thing you can do is make an error. And third, it's probably hustle. Maybe hustle's number yep. one. But an out is not an out. And you striking out when all you had to do was shorten up and hit a four hopper to second base to get your team a run and get your pitcher starting pitcher a little confidence with the lead was huge and these people that didn't play don't understand that part and it drives me crazy that players are buying into a lot of this stuff and I, I i agree with you they're probably being forced into it but man i wish these guys would take a stand and say listen i don't want to catch on one knee with two strikes and a run on third because i don't have the mobility yeah. And that run is – we're going to lose the game if that guy scores. And when I see that crap happening, which is pretty much every single night in baseball, um, drives me crazy, Larry. It, it, it's hard to explain that. I, you know, I get catching on one knee with nobody on base, but when you got a man in scoring position, second base or third base, and, and you do that, there's some catchers, obviously, they have the ability to do that. But I would say the majority of them would like – I think they should go back to the way that – catchers caught before. I mean, I played with a real good catcher in Bob Boone. And uh, you know, I, just recently we had an alumni weekend and he's talking about that and he just shakes his head. Uh, and, and you know what, Jeff, I, th- I think another thing that's, that's hurting our game is the showcase games. I, I've been to some showcase things three, four years ago. Uh, they get the outfielders in right field 
and they hit them ground balls and they say throw to third. Well, they don't even think about hitting the cutoff, man. They throw it all the way in on a fly. Uh, when they get to bat, it's not, let's take uh, the first three balls of state, hit balls to right field, hit a couple to center. No, we want to hit them as far as we can to left field, get a good launch angle. We don't teach these kids how to win baseball games. We teach them how to play individual baseball. And I know once you get in the box, it's a pitcher against the hitter. But you got to learn how to teach kids how to win baseball games. You don't just throw the bats and balls out and say, okay, let's see what we can do. Let's hit a three-run home. Three-run homers are the greatest thing in the world. As a manager, as a coach, as an ex-player, I used to love to see Greg Lazinski and Mike Schmidt hit three-run home runs. But as you well know, playing baseball as long as you did, when you get to the playoffs and the World Series, what are the scores usually? Three to two, two to one, four to three. I see bunting in the in the World Series. I see hitting and running in the World Series. I see guys stealing bases in the World Series. Yet, over the course of 162 games, we don't want to steal bases because we don't want to run into outs. We don't want to hit and run because the guys swing and miss too much. But yet, when it's on the line for a seven-game series, we're executing and we'll go back to that old phrase, we're executing old style and teams are winning games by doing little things to enable you to score more runs than the other. Because when you face those pitchers in the World Series, they're not ERAs of 450 and five. Their ERAs are really low. They don't walk people. They have great stuff. They can locate pitches in, out, up, down. Uh, they can command breaking balls when they're behind in the count. It's a different game, but yet we want to, if these rules were so good, why don't we start with a man on second in the World Series? We don't do it. No. So why do we do it 162 games, but yet the playoffs start in the World Series plays? We don't do it. I, I don't understand that part of it. I, I, somebody's going to have to explain that to me. And I understand that they don't want pitchers to be blown out. Well, you know, part of being a real good baseball team is to have a, a roster where if you pitch 15 innings one or you play 15 innings one night and you happen to have a day game the next day, hey, that's part of the, the journey, the, the long trek of 162 games. you got to overcome that 16-inning game and put the pieces together the next day. We are so concerned about, oh, we don't have enough arms. We, don't, we can't do that. So let's modify it a little bit then. Don't put the runner on second in the ninth inning. Let him play two extra innings. Let him play the 10th and the 11th. Regular baseball. Now, okay, I'll give you. I'll give a little bit here. In the 12th inning, we'll put a man on second. But we go right with a man on second. And to me, that's 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 a negative for a team, especially especially a visiting team that goes into extra innings. That's that's a tough gig to try to, to win that game because, you know, they don't bunt anymore because if you're the visitor, they're saying, well, you need more than one run. So if you're the home team and the other team doesn't score, I still don't see any bunt. They get a man on second and the visitors didn't score in the 10th inning. I still don't see any uh, uh, bunting the guy to third base. We're going to swing away. And I guess the analytics feel that nobody practices bunting, and I agree with this. If you don't practice it, it's hard. But if you practice it, it's very easy. Yeah, and I I, I can guarantee you uh, I know the answer to this question. So when Mike Schmidt and Greg Luzinski uh, and Gary Maddox and Bake McBride stepped in the box and the – you know, to take BP before the game, what they do the first two pitches? They hit, they bunted. They bunted two pitches, then they had hit and runs. And Mike Schmidt hated to hit home runs in BP. He had tried to hit balls to right center. Mm -hmm. And I watched Freddie Freeman, uh, who's one of the great players playing today. I watched him take batting practice. He does not want to pull a ball. He hits the ball to left center and to left field. And there's a, there's a method to their madness there. there there's a reason. They've been trained to hit balls the other way. They've been trained to, even even though Schmidt and Lazinski, they never bunted hardly at all. But it was a routine you did. Bunt two, couple hit and runs, hit the ball the other way. Now their next round, have a regular BP. In the last round, if you want to hit the ball out of the ballpark, go ahead and do that. But, but now we don't even run the bases. When I say we, I'm talking about a lot of teams. You know, once you hit your first round, you run the bases, you get a second base, you learn how to read balls. Uh, how many times do you watch a guy lead off the game with a double and a ground ball is short and he runs the third? Yeah. Because you've got to practice that stuff. It just doesn't happen. And I think because we have good athletes now, they're really good. They're bigger, they're faster, they're stronger. But they've got to learn how to 
play fundamental baseball. And I think if we can get that back a little bit to the game, it's going to be a much better game to watch. It's going to be, you're not going to be afraid to go out there and say to your kids, hey, watch this guy, move this runner here, man on second, no outs. Now, I'm not asking Bryce Harper to give himself up. This guy's a, a superstar player, but you've got little guys that handle the battle a little bit, hit a ground ball the other way, let the big guys drive them in. But again, then we hear the old adage, batting average doesn't mean anything and RBIs don't mean anything. And I just, I shake my head when I hear that comment because to hit 300 in the big leagues and to drive in over 100 runs, there's a mentality there, Jeff, as you well know. You don't just put anybody hitting in a three hole and he's going to drive in 100 runs. It doesn't happen. It's a mentality. I'll be the first to tell you, I didn't have that mentality, but Mike Schmidt and Greg Lazinski did. My mentality was get on base and score runs. Get in a scoring position as quick as you can for the big boys. And, and everybody had a role when we played. You, you sort of you live by the little guys get on, the big guys drive them in. Uh, you play defense, strong up the middle, catcher, second, short, center field. Pitching and defense win a lot of games. That's sort of gone by the wayside until the World Series. Now, all of a sudden, defense is important, pitching is important, and fundamental baseball is important. And it boggles my mind, like I said before, that we all all of a sudden in a seven-game series, we go back to quote-unquote old-school baseball and take a look at the teams that win. Uh, most of them, their strikeout ratios down. They move runners. They were able to – I've seen safety squeezes in the World Series, which is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing that when you get to that level, all of a sudden seven games mean a lot more than when you play 162 games. Well, I think I don't think the algorithms work for seven games, Larry. I think they're over 162 games. I know right. <laughs> years ago, Mookie Betts did a couple great base running reads from third base with the infield in, and – it, you're right. It boggles my mind too that okay, if this stuff works in the playoffs in the World Series, is there like a chance that maybe it would work in over a 162 game season if we had everybody pulling in the right direction and and instead of trying to hit that home run, that two run homer in the first inning with a runner on third with two strikes, how about our three hole hitter, four hole hitter hits a hard ground ball to second base, score that run, it might get through for a base hit. Like and I played. That boggles me too. My mind also is that the RBIs and average don't matter because I know for a fact, I saw it firsthand, I know you did too, certain guys had that uncanny ability to get runs home, to drive in runs. And Juan Gonzalez, you know, he had 101 RBIs the All-Star break. And they weren't all from home runs. They were hard ground balls the other way with one out in the first inning where he picked up a run and he was happy about it. He knew he did his job. He got to run for our team. And I know you played with Mike Schmidt and Greg Luzinski. Those guys knew how to drive runs in. And the fact that people say that it's just uh, just where you hit it's the lineup wild. is where you, where right. um, you get RBI. <laughs> it just so happens that you, you hit in that part of the lineup, and that's why you drive in runs. And that's bull because if they'd have put me in the three and four hole, I wouldn't have had the ability to drive in runs like a Juan Gonzalez or a Palmero or a Will Clark. The Right. And when I played, it was Tony Perez with the big red machine. I mean, Johnny Bench hit in front of him. Uh, Joe Morgan hit in front of him. Bench always got his 100 plus RBIs. It's amazing how Tony Perez still got 100 RBIs, 100 plus. These guys weren't afraid to, to hit with two strikes. They weren't afraid to hit the ball the other way. Uh, they were tough, tough outs. And when they had that guy in scoring position, their mindset even got, they were tougher. And, and pitchers knew that. They knew if you hung a slider or left a curveball up or a fastball that you didn't locate, that they were going to pay. And those two out hits are so important. And Tony Perez got a ton of them. Uh, again, I, I hated playing the big red machine. And the, the years we won the division, we had to always play the big red machine or the Dodgers. That's why we were coming up short. And then finally in 80, we won everything. But, but there, like I said, if you've never played the game and you say you could put an eight hole hitter in the three hole, and he's going to get enough opportunities to drive in 80 to 100 runs. I can't, I can't go with that because I, I know the mentality of those guys that drove in those runs. The, the, their Hall of Fame, a lot of them are Hall of Fame players. A lot of them didn't make like Greg Lazinski to me was a great two-strike, uh, two-out here. And it, was, it took a lot of pride in that. Uh, he didn't want to strike out. 
And I, I think the, the bottom line on that, because Mike Schmidt, I, I'll give you a great example. We're playing in that 24 to 23 game at Wrigley Field. And I remember the beginning of that game, Schmidt was in a little bit of a funk. He might have been 0 for 12 or something. And this win, Jeff, was, I mean, it was a hurricane blowing out the left. And before the game, you know, you get your pine tar and you get your helmet. And Schmidt's talking to Danny Ozark. And he says, hey, Danny, uh, why don't you put on a hit and run today? I got to stay on the ball a little bit more. And even I, I, I dropped what I was doing. I said to Mike, Mike, there's a hurricane blowing. Let's put a hit and run on the next city we go to. Just just hit the ball in the air and it's going to cross uh, Addison Avenue out there. And he laughed, you know, and everything. He ended up hitting three home runs that day. <laughs> but the bottom line is his mindset was, I'm not swinging the bat good. I want you to put a hit and run on with me to hit the ball the other way. And that's the mentality of those guys that were struggling when they went in to play a certain team. They wanted to get untracked as quick as they can. And right there, a Hall of Fame, one of the greatest players ever to put on a a uniform in baseball history, is asking the manager to put on a hit and run because he knew what he was doing wrong. He was pulling off. He wanted to stay on the ball. And I just said, Mike, not today. There's a hurricane blowing out. Lift the ball. Get it out of the ballpark. It turned out he hit three home runs and we won 24 to 23. But but the mindset of a Mike Schmidt, the Hall of Famer, that that was that was the mindset of him trying to get his stroke back and trying to help the team win a baseball game. Yeah, and as an individual, you had to know what it took for you to get back right. You know, for me, no it was, question. It was it was stay up the middle. All right, I'm hitting right. too many pop ups or whatever. I'm pulling off. Maybe I hit a homer accidentally, and now I think I'm a home home run hitter. So I'm gonna try and turn on some stuff and then I pull off a few and then it's like, all right, I got to stay up the middle, keep my shoulder in there and drive the ball that way. And dude hangs one. I might pull one down the line for a double, but as players, you knew what it took to get yourself right. And like Mike but, Schmidt, mm-hmm. you knew the same thing. Yeah. And, and I, I don't think people realize that, you know, as a baseball player, as an athlete, you have to, overcome so much stuff in your mind because your mind gets in the way all the time. <laughs> you got to make it simple, man. You got to go back to the basics and what got you there. And, yeah. and I know that's what worked for me whenever I was in a funk. I just had to get back to the basics, hit the ball up the middle, try to take the pitcher's kneecap off and get back right. There's no question. that that's that's. And, you know, when, when we play in the minor leagues, we had uh, 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 we didn't have a hitting instructor at every level. We didn't have a hitting instructor at A, double, A, triple. We had a guy that went around. So when you were 0 for 14 or 0 for 15, now you see that players need mental rest when they're 0 for 14 or 0 for 15. And to me, that tells you what kind of individual you are. They're going to do the mental rest because they've been told to do it. But the part of baseball that's great is you got to figure it out yourself. Someone's not going to hold your hand when you get in the batter's box. When you're 0 for 14, nobody's feeling sorry for yourself. You don't have a hitting instructor there telling you, hey, you're pulling off or your front, uh, you're, you're starting too soon. You're not getting the front foot down. They don't, you got to figure that out. And to me, that helps you become a better player. I like to go watch guys in our minor league system when they're struggling. I want to see what their mentality is. Are they still leading on the field? Is there, are they still upbeat when they're out there? Or do they sit in the corner and they go, woe is me? This game is not a woe is me sport. You've got to figure this game out. And the quicker you figure it out, the quicker you're going to make it to the big leagues. You know, that old saying, it's easy to get here. It's hard to stay. I really believe that uh, because right now guys are being pushed so quick to get to the big leagues. And then once they get here, there's a big, big difference between AAA pitching and the big leagues now. Whereas back in the day, there weren't that many teams. And so guys pitching in the minor leagues, they were pretty good, you know, and, and a lot of guys ask me, why did you play so many games every year? And I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't want to get out of the lineup because I'm afraid the guy in AAA is going to come up and get three or four hits while I'm sitting on the bench nursing maybe a, a little boo-boo on my hand. I didn't want that to happen. So I kept going out there and playing and playing and playing. Was it playing scared? I don't think it was playing scared, but it was playing, you know what? I worked too hard to get here. I'm not giving this job away because I'm a little stiff tonight or my back's a little stiff. I'm going to go out here and grind this out. And I think if we have more players with that mentality, you're going to see guys grinding stuff out. You're going to see guys not feeling too hard for themselves when they're 0 for 12, 0 for 13. This is a man's game. with a It's a boy's game, but it takes a man's mentality to play it, Jeff. And that's why mental toughness to me comes into play so much 
And if you're mentally tough and you can overcome all the adversity, because let's face it, you know, the greatest hitters in baseball make seven outs every 10 at bats. So those guys are in the Hall of Fame. So you're not a Hall of Fame player. You better find a way to get it done. And you don't need somebody to come up here every three or four days and tell you, oh, this is what you're doing wrong. You got to be able to be your own coach and know what you're doing wrong. And if you don't, then you're in trouble. I really believe that. No, I do too. I do too. And yeah, I think I can attribute my mental toughness um, to growing up uh, very similar to you being the smallest kid out there, being told, um, you know, I was just too small and too slow and to, you know, I got cut from my high school basketball team in ninth grade and told to come back when I grew up. And I just, <laughs> I use that as motivation. I use it as right. motivation. So three years later, I went to college on a basketball scholarship. I was like, yeah, I'm grown up now. Um, but I, I guarantee you, you did the same thing when you're told your whole life, you can't do something and you want it, right? you want it, you want to prove everybody wrong. And man, and when you do prove them wrong and you make it and your dream comes true to, to play in the big it, it, league, people don't understand what it feels like to walk on a big league baseball field as a player and starting lineup, hitting leadoff, man, you feel like you've conquered the world. It's unbelievable the feeling, and especially when you don't have that natural, you know, the natural ability where everything comes easy to you. And you know, I remember reading an article that you know, my first year I struggled big time the first half. I mean, it was it was ugly. And if it wasn't the fact that the Phillies were in a rebuilding year, the manager had me in Double A AA and Triple A. He knew what I could do, uh, but a writer wrote that he'd have trouble hitting at Williamsport, which. Yeah, as we all know, Williamsport's where you play the Little League World Series. And I kept that article. I kept that article my entire career. And, and that person, uh, God rest his soul now, what, passed away. Uh, I, it was a while ago. But I remember that in 80, uh, winning the World Series, uh, standing on the lines, the parades. And I, that, that, that article, it was like it was written yesterday about me. And I just said, you know what, instead of getting mad at the guy, I just, I motivated myself. I, every time I read that, and, and I'll be honest with you, you have to be at the right place at the right time. Uh, you, there's luck, a little bit of luck involved. But to be a survivor, when you take advantage of that being in the right place at the right time, it, it pays off. Like I said, if we weren't rebuilding, I probably wouldn't have played in the big leagues. We were rebuilding, and the manager says, he called me in. I was hitting under 200, and he says, I thought I was getting sent down, Jeff. And he says, sit down. And he says, I'm just going to tell you right now. And this was a rookie manager. It was Frank Lucchese. He says that uh, no matter what you hit, I don't care if you don't get a hit the second half. You're my shortstop. And I'm saying to myself, I left that office and I said, here's a manager that's worked hard in the minor leagues. He finally gets an opportunity to manage in the big leagues. And he's calling me hitting, hitting under 200 saying, I don't care if you get a hit. Go out and play the way you're capable of playing. And you're my shortstop. And I left that office. I felt like I was the greatest player in the world. I said, you know what? I'm not going to disappoint this man. And I worked hard. I, were, I I used to hit till my hands bled. Billy DeMars, who was our hitting coach, we go down not only during the season, in the wintertime, every single day. And I had blisters. And I said, I'm going to get the – I had a tendency to hit balls in the air, the fly ball outs, weak fly ball, hit the line drive, hit the ball in – Line drive through the middle every single day we did this. And to look back on that, people say, oh, you had a good, you got over 2,000 hits. You know what? I got over 2,000 hits because I had great coaches. I had a, a routine that I stuck to. I knew I had to work harder than the other guys because I didn't have the ability to go out there and take my 10 swings and say, oh, I'm going to hit 280 because I'm a great player. I, I knew that I was a blue collar player and I knew what I had to do to win. And it paid off for me. Uh, I mean, I hear people say, you know, if you play now, you wouldn't have played in the big leagues. Well, you know what? They're probably right because of the analytics. I don't analytic out at all. But there's something that analytics don't measure. It's, it's your heart and your brain. If you believe in yourself and you have that willingness to do whatever it takes to win a baseball game, you will survive. If you have any kind of ability at all, you will survive. You just need the opportunity. But because we're we're grading guys on launch angle, exit velocity, spin rate. We're grading them all on that. Uh, and I just I just think it's unfair for the, the – I know there might be a few of those guys out there that guys like you and guys like myself that 
hey, I'm, I'm a grinder. I'm going to find a way to get this done. I'm going to move through the organization every year. And I feel sorry for those guys because they're not going to even get an opportunity because the numbers don't really match up for them playing professional baseball at the big league level. Yeah. It, being a baseball player, a hard-nosed baseball player who uses his brain and figure things out, um, a lot of those guys are getting passed up now. That's unfortunate because those are some of the greatest stories. The, you know, the the under the the overachiever who nobody thought could ever make it to this level, and and now he's has a good career. Look at David X David Eckstein. Uh, he could barely throw at the first base in the air. I know. He it. had the, one of the it, worst. It, it was unbelievable. And, and he had a great <laughs> career, and and no power, and and no. this guy. Nope. I mean, this guy, just tell David Eckstein he can't do it, <laughs> you know? I, I I used to love watching him. I mean, that was, you know, he came on after me. I mean, and I, and I looked at uh, at uh, Omar Vizquel and I looked at Ozzie Smith. And uh, those two guys, they didn't have a lot of power, but they, they learned how to become big league players and learned how to win. Ozzie and, and Omar were great defensive players. They learned how to hit. I've heard the, the, the adage – that a guy's 24 years old and he's hit 230, 240 in the minor leagues, but he's got all this talent, oh, he's never going to hit. Who says he's not going to hit? Who says he's not going to put in time during the winter and hit for three, four hours every day? Uh, you know, you hit two hours, you take a rest, take grounders, come back and hit again. You can't, you can't determine, computers can't determine what a guy's makeup is. That's what I don't understand. Makeup is so important when you're putting a team together, uh, clubhouse chemistry, that's all stuff that, that goes by the wayside because people don't understand how important those two things are to become a good baseball team. And uh, it bothers me. It really does. And, I, and like I said, I'm all in on the analytics. I do think there's too much of overkill sometimes. I mean, I, I watch Schwarber. I talk to Schwarber a lot. You know what he wants? He says, I want no velocity. See ball, hit ball. And, and okay, he's not hitting for a high average. He's got 35 home runs. He gets on base. But the point I'm trying to make is he keeps it simple. Now, there's other guys on the Phillies that want more info. That's fine. Take what they give you. If you want to use it, fine. If you don't, don't feel, don't, don't feel offended by – if you're an analytic guy and a guy says, I don't want that, don't feel like you're a failure because some guys – See ball, hit ball still plays, Jeff, as you well know. This game's hard. It's hard to hit a baseball. It's hard to play this game. And sometimes you're in that batter's box and you're saying, get your foot down. Don't, don't pull off here. Look for look center away. All these are going through your mind, and the ball gets to you, boom, it's on top of you. And you're thinking about – you do all that stuff in the batting cage. Once the umpire says play ball, you're, thinking, you're in survival mode now. You're going to try to hit the ball up the middle hard somewhere and get on base. But we're, we are inundating these young kids about so many stats right now. And you get these kids coming from Venezuela and the Dominican, never been away from home. And as soon as they get off the airplane, they give them these cards. This is where you play this hitter. Let these kids play. Let them learn how to read swings. Let them play counts. Now, as they progress through the system, you're going to find out who your prospects are. You can give them a little more information when they get to double A. When they get to triple A, give them a little more information. But let them get their feet on the ground. Don't throw all this at them right away. There's some good athletes, young athletes, that need to learn on the fly, Learn, need to learn, play the game the right way. And we are making them like robots. You stand right here when the count's 2-0. and oh. You stand right here when the count's 3-2. and two. No, you let them play and let them use their instincts. And as they progress through your systems, you're going to find the guys that are going to be prospects. You're going to find the guy saying, I can give this guy some more stuff. I, can, I can't give this guy enough anymore because he's right there. He's perfect doing what he does. You've got to experiment a little bit. And it's not that easy to just throw everything into a computer and say, okay, go play baseball. It's just, it's like I said, I'm, I'm all for the analytics. I, I do think that there's a, a place. I think that managers today, not all managers today are like middlemen. The analytics to the manager to the players. It used to be the manager ran the team. The manager set the rules. The manager made out the lineup. And now it's completely different. Now, there's still some guys that are managing today that I know are doing it old school way. 
but there's a lot of managers that have no experience that have not not really had that much experience. Coaches that have not had that much experience, they're going by the book. And, uh, you know, I, I just don't think they're getting the most out of the players. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, you've seen a lot of managers these days that uh, we're kind of scratching our heads like, how did this guy get to be a big league manager uh, so quickly at such a young age? And how is he going to command respect in the locker room? Because I, I remember the managers I played for, I, mean, I was afraid of those guys a little bit. I had too much respect <laughs> for those guys. And I was like, I'm going to do what he says. And if he says I didn't do something right, he's right. It's almost like a right. mentality as a kid back when we grew up. Mom and dad said, dude, something. We didn't we didn't question why. No. We just did it. No. Nope. I think that's you know, that's gone. And then the baseball guys, the baseball guys like you that are needed in this game are getting pushed aside and it's hurting our game. And you know, I don't know how we get it back, Larry. I don't know. I hope it's not too far gone, but Man, I can't even watch baseball anymore. And I used to watch two games a day, and now I just watch a game and I get angry at guys not making adjustments and all these right. rules changes that the commissioner's putting in. And, and man, I just – I've missed my game. <laughs> I, 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 I hear you. I, you know, I've been very lucky. Um, Dave Dombrowski, to me, is, is, is old school. And, uh, you know, he'll ask opinions. And, obviously, when push comes to shove, Dave makes the final call. But the fact that he asks, you know, he might say, hey, what'd you see at double A or who do you like down there uh, to get opinions? He'll ask Charlie Manuel, who do you like hitter hitter wise down there? And, you know, the fact that that he asks us these questions, uh, it's a respect thing. And he and he's acknowledging that we've have a, a lot of time at, at the big league level, uh, knowing what it takes to be a big league baseball player. You know, Rob Thompson is a great example. Here's a guy that paid his dues. I mean, he rode on buses. He did everything you can do to get to where he's at right now. He was a bench coach for a while. He coached under Joe Torrey. He never had the opportunity to manage, yet he's knowledgeable. He's very knowledgeable. He knows what he's doing in the dugout, and he finally gets an opportunity this year. Uh, right now he's the interim manager, and he's, he's done a tremendous job with our team. But I look back at what he's gone through, and he's paid his dues. You know, when people say, oh, pay your dues. That means, you know, that's called experience. It's not a matter of, oh, you have to spend two years in A-ball. You have to spend, no, that means you're getting experience as you progress through the system, whether it's A-ball, double-A, triple-A. You're learning how to deal with people. You're learning how to deal with situations. And Rob's definitely paid his dues and he's being rewarded right now. And he's got our team playing at a high level and guys like playing for him. He communicates great with them. He uses a little bit of the old school, a little bit of the new school. And, uh, it's, it's working right now, and I, I really believe unless there's something catastrophical that's going to happen, that we're going to be in the playoffs for the first time in a long time. And it, it's because Dave has allowed our organization to go 50-50 with it. It's not 90-10. Uh, you know, he's saying he, he's all in on the analytics, but he's also on a, in, all in on the gut. What, what your eyes tell you when you've been in the dugout a long time. Uh, you you know when you go out to the mound and you look into a pitcher's eye if he's got if he's got enough to get another hitter out. You just know that because is the experience, what you've gone through, playing, managing, coaching, you know that look. And you know you make a decision right then. Okay, I think you've had enough. I'm gonna go to the bullpen. Or you might see a guy that says in his eyes, he's saying, I need this hitter, I'm gonna get him out. Those are the things that you learn from by experience. And the more you do it, the more experience you're going to get and the better you're going to be at your trade, regardless if you end up in A, AA, AAA, or the big leagues. Experience I counts. I and agree. the more you can go through tough experiences, you're going to be a better person. Yeah, I remember Robbie Thompson coming up um, with the Giants, didn't he? No, that was the second baseman. This, this is the different Rob Thompson. Rob Thompson was a second baseman for the Giants. He was another scrapper like you and I, but uh, Rob Thompson came up through the Yankees and had a lot of opportunities. In fact, uh, okay. uh, I thought he was going to get that job when they let go of, uh, of Joe and he interviewed for a long time and they ended up giving it to Booney. But uh, yeah, Rob Thompson, he's definitely paid his dues and he's done a tremendous job. Cool. Well, I wanted to, uh, I'm not going to keep you much longer, Larry. This has been incredible. I knew that you and I agreed on 
almost everything, but I'm pretty sure we agree on everything because everything you said, <laughs> I, I agree 100%. But uh, I want to talk to you about, uh, real quick, my infield instructor coming up uh, when I was, um, you know, first got drafted. We had, we didn't have uh, a hitting coach and an infield coach at every level. We had a rover, and ours was right. Perry Hill. And Perry Hill yeah. basically Great. turned me from a kid who, uh, you know, had a long arm in the back and caught everything underneath me. And he taught right. me his, his infield system. And I was in low A ball at 22 years old, a 30th round draft pick. And he says, you're going to be in the big leagues by the time you're 25. I'm like, this guy's crazy. How could you? <laughs> I mean, I'm an organizational value guy. I know that. And I'm going to have to overachieve to get a chance. But he. Right. And he made me believe in myself. And sure enough, I wanted to prove him right. I made the big leagues when I was 25. And I attribute that to him that, telling me I could right. do it. But Perry, right. uh, Perry was a master with the fungo. And, you know, he'd have the uh, the machines that shot the double play feed so we could work on our footwork. And, you know, it was pretty more accurate than a throw from somebody's arm. But yesterday right. – Major League Baseball game. I won't name the team, but uh, <laughs> uh, my buddy Kevin Kiernan sent me a picture of behind home plate, <laughs> three coaches sitting on buckets or chairs, feeding balls into machines that are shooting out ground balls to the infielders. And I just, <laughs> I was like, man, uh, yeah. I can't wait to ask Larry what he thinks about it. I saw the same thing. I saw the same video. Uh, first of all, you're not getting the feel of, you know, it's going to be the same ground ball every time. It's going to have the same hop unless you keep changing it on everything. And to me, part of it is having a coach hit you fungos, go right, go left. You know, you can't keep moving that machine on every single ball. Part of it is foot, you know, the most important thing is your feet. You know, your feet work right. You get your arm up quick enough once you catch a ball out in front. But but to have the machine, I, I just, I don't understand that. But I guess there's a few teams doing it. Uh I don't really agree with that. I know the coaches in, in the Phillies. I go down there every day at home games. Uh, they hit fungos with the fungo bat. Bobby Dickerson, who I think is an outstanding infield instructor, gets them out there and they practice short hops. They, they practice drop steps. They practice everything. And you do that with a fungo. The more you fungos you hit, you know how to handle the bat a little bit. You can make a guy go right, left, drop step. Those are things that the machines just don't do. And I, I really believe. I don't want to call it laziness, but it's easy to sit on a chair and feed that machine. Yeah, you, you get off your feet, you kick back a little bit, just keep putting balls in there. Um, and I, I don't think it gets the same effect as a fungo hitter. And again, I keep using the Phillies because I watch them play. And Bobby Dickerson, who's an outstanding infield instructor. I, I didn't have a roving infield instructor like you did with Perry Hill, but I had guys like Cookie Rojas, Tony Taylor, Bobby Wine, Ruben Amaro. They were all at the big leagues. They were outstanding fielders. And my, when I went, first went to my big league camp, I would listen to what they had to say. They would help me. Uh, that's what I'm talking about. Guys that when they get to a certain level, you pass that information down and hopefully they pass it down. And it's, it keeps, it's a cycle. It keeps going round and round. Guys pass the information and their knowledge down. And we're losing that right now. But I was very fortunate to have four guys that played the infield. And I just listened to them every day talk about fielding ground balls, backhand plays, going to your right, going to your left, having that, that clock in your head, knowing who's running. Uh, you don't play the same hitter, the same depth every time. You get a guy that's hitting left hand and he can fly like a Ralph Gar when I played. You move up a little bit. You can't you can't stay on the dirt and grass back there. You're gonna end up the guy's gonna get an infield hit. These are all situations that you learn about, and they hear these guys, these veterans now. They were veterans when I came up. Talk about the situation. I'm going, wow, that's really cool. They weren't they weren't worried about me taking anybody's job. They were trying to help me. And that's what I tried to do as a player. Uh, I remember Ryan Sandberg. Hey, we, we got, uh, in fact, I, I still kid him about it. When I got traded here from the Phillies to the Cubs, I keep reminding him, I said, I don't forget, Ryan, you were the throwing in that trade. And he laughed, you know, <laughs> but, but he, you know, him and I, we, we, we bonded together. I talked to him about work ethic and he'll be the first to tell you, he couldn't believe how many ground balls that we would take before a game. And he's and cause when we got traded together, I said, when are you going to spring training? He said, well, the regulars come February 6th. I said, be there February 1st. You and I are going to go out. 
we're going to take ground balls every single day for 15, 16 days before anybody gets here. And he did that. And he carried that through his career. And that's not the reason he's a Hall of Famer. The reason is he got into a good routine, a good habit, and he practiced and practiced and practiced, and he became one of the best second basemen to ever put on a uniform. This guy could not hit home runs when he played with the Phillies. He was a line drive hitter. I knew he was going to be a good player. Did I think he was going to be a Hall of Famer? No way. But through hard work and his work ethic, he, be, he took it to another level, and he's one of the great second basemen of all time. But things like that. They don't see that stuff. People don't see that stuff. The hard work that you put in before spring training even starts. It's not, okay, let's show up the 15th. We'll take our grounders. And then by the 28th, we'll play games. It doesn't work like that. If you want something bad enough, you got to put in time. you got to put in effort. And it's, it's, it's a grueling test. It's not, it's not you take four months off and when the season's over. You, you might take a month or two or three weeks off, and then you get back into it again. If you really want it bad enough, you get back into it again. And it's, it's, a, it's a grueling routine, but if you love this game, and I love this game. Sandberg loved this game. All the guys I mentioned loved the game. It was a passion for them. It wasn't, oh, if we win, fine. If we lose, fine. You felt bad. You were angry when you lost the game. Now it's like, wash it off. And I know mentally it's probably the best way to do it, but I always used to learn by my mistakes. When we lost a game, if I did something wrong or we talked about it after the game in the locker room, people weren't really sensitive. You could say something to a guy and he'd take it as constructive criticism. It wasn't like I'm trying to get on you. I'm trying to help you become a better player. And I think if we have an open mind that way with these young kids and tell them, hey, we're not getting on you. We're trying to make you go from level A to level high A. Uh, and, and I think coaches, I mean, players sometimes think that you're getting on them when you're trying to help them. And it's a different mindset. And as you said, when you were growing up, Jeff, your mom and dad didn't have to say anything. It was a look. If you were talking too much and you had company over there, my dad gave me that look, man, I zipped it up because I knew mm -hmm. hey, I don't want to get in trouble with my dad. But that's, that's discipline. And I think we need more of discipline at the big league level. I really do. No, I agree. And, and I also think we need more of hanging out after the game yep. and talking the game. I mean, if I, I know this will never happen, but if I was lucky enough to be a major league manager, I'd make sure that uh, nobody's leaving till 30 minutes after the game. None of this five minutes in the shower, back to your hotel room, playing video game. Talk about what happened. <laughs> the game. Have a beer with your teammate and, and talk about your at bats or what happened on this play. And, we used to do that all the time. And sometimes we stayed there a little bit longer than we probably should have. But, man, those were right. some of the best times. And that that helped us bond as a team. And, and we knew that we all cared and we were all pulling in the right direction. And, and man, I miss that. And I don't think that's – I don't know for sure, but I don't think that happens much in the game anymore. No, it's just sort of uh, – it's like uh, – I'm not saying every team does it, but guys get out of there pretty fast. And, you know uh, – and I know it's tougher to, to maybe go to a bar after a game and have a beer because of obviously with the cell phones and people taking pictures, I get that part of it. But, uh, you know, like you said, hey, stay in the clubhouse for maybe 45 minutes to an hour, go over the game, talk about what you did right, talk about what you did wrong. You'd be shocked at what you could learn just by talking with your teammates and communicating. I see guys, <laughs> I see guys texting in the locker room. And I'm saying, the guy's two lockers down, man. Go down and talk to him. It's just, it's, it's a different generation. And I'm not saying it's a bad generation, but it's, it's a different mentality. And, uh, and I think it reflects a little bit how the game has changed. Uh, it's a different, it's not a different game, but the mentality is different. It's still nine out, nine innings, 27 outs, uh, get more runs than the other team. But the mentality of the game has changed so much right now. And I'm not saying it's ever going to get back to, as they say, old school, but hopefully it can get back to some, some normalcy a little bit and maybe have it a 50, 50, where 50% is analytics, 50% is gut and eye check. Uh, I don't know if it's going to do that, but. The, the teams that are doing it, I look at the Atlanta Braves with that coaching staff. <laughs> There's a lot of experience on that coaching staff. And I know they, they're into the analytics, but I also know that they're using their experience that they had as players and as coaches to pass on to that team, the Atlanta Braves, who just recently overcame what, a 15-game deficit, and now they're tied for first with the Mets. So that old-school mentality is paying off for the Atlanta Braves. I agree. And, and I 
think it's happening in New York as well with Buck Showalter. Right, Buck. I'm yep. sure that um, yeah, I can't believe that uh, somebody comes down there and gives Buck the lineup for that day. <laughs> I, I don't know think that happened. I, I, I don't think that happened. I'm trying to do Buck. that to you, and you managed. But, uh, <laughs> but man, this has been incredible, Larry. I've I've been a big fan of yours. I grew up watching you play on all those Phillies teams. I remember playing wiffle ball as a kid and imitating, <laughs> imitating Mike Schmidt and Lazinski and you yeah. and switch hitting. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. Um, I, I remember being across the field from you. Some in my career, I spent most of my time in the American League, but I always heard great things about you and how I'm pretty sure they called you a red ass like me because when I played, yeah, they did. I was they pissed did. off because I was ready to kick your ass <laughs> on the field that night. And I know you had the reputation as being the same way, but it has been a, a pleasure having you on here. I, I appreciate you taking the time, and um, I hope we can uh, meet each other in person someday because I'd love to shake your hand. Uh, you know what, Jeff, I think you do a tremendous job. And again, uh, this whole show is, is basically predicated on let's try to get back to 50-50 where, where we, we use both. We use the analytics. We use the knowledge of a, of a coach that's been around or the manager that's been around. And I think if we can do that, we're going to see the game get popular again. I don't think it's as popular as it should be right now. And hopefully we can change that and get the popularity back because I love this game and I know you love it. I want, I listen, I read your tweets and everything and people think that you are uh, getting on the new generation. I don't think you're getting on them at all. I think you're trying to explain that you can do both, but let's, let's do it at a 50, 50 level rather than a 80, 20 or 70, 30. And I, I think that you'll see big improvement in the play, big improvement on fundamentals, big improvement on running bases. And that's all part of the game, and, and that's all part of winning baseball. Yeah, and I appreciate you saying that. And, and my social media stuff just kind of happened by accident a couple years ago, but uh, I'm trying to educate parents and, and kids to some of the flawed teaching, I believe, is out there hurting their kids. And because I know as a kid, I love this game, and I wanted to do it every day, and it wasn't because I was forced to do it brought to lesson. Right. I did it because I wanted to do, go out and, you know, compete with my, my teammates and come up, come out on top. And that's why I'm doing my social media stuff. And because of that, I now have the She Gone podcast. And now I got freaking Larry <laughs> Boa on my podcast. I'm doing something right, Larry. I don't know. Well, you know, you're doing a lot right. I, I do. I do believe in that. Uh, there, there's so many gimmicks out there and people, uh, parents are getting hoodwinked. Uh, and I feel sorry for the kids that are at a young age that are getting trapped into this, but, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, the parents can, can see that, uh, that's really not the road to take. And, uh, a lot of guys are making a lot of money on, on these young kids and not being taught the right way to play. I couldn't agree more, my friend. Well, I appreciate it, Larry. Hang on for a second. When we get done. Um, okay. Um, it's been, uh, an honor to have you on here. You're a great baseball man. And, um, I'm glad you're still in the game. That gives me hope that we can someday get back to some semblance of what it was before. So I appreciate it. This is Jeff Fry signing off on the She Gone podcast. She Gone!